warning, 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 warning. The abomination of desolation. Show of hands of those who don't know what this is. Who have never read it or seen it. Okay. Uh, can anybody, a couple of people down here? Okay. It's okay. Uh, it's not talked about too much uh, in some circles. On other circles, it's, it's talked about all the time. And there's uh, a couple references. Actually, it's, I believe, three in Daniel. And Jesus actually references it as a sign of some coming destruction. And that's where we find ourselves. We are in Revelation 6. I wanted to hop to Revelation 7, but Matthew 24 is fairly relevant. It explains a lot of what's going on. And, and, and even I'd have to continue Matthew 24 one more time to get through it all. So kind of praying about that before we jump to Revelation 7 um, and, and just see how things are going to unfold. You know, Revelation 7, uh, I believe, is where the, the angels are holding the four corners of the earth and they're going to bring a judgment on God's people, but God says, seal, seal the remnant, seal the 144,000. And a lot of weird thoughts come out of that. You know, the 12 tribes are listed there, and, 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 and Alistair Begg would say that's a number of completion, not a literal number. Other people say it's a literal number. Uh, but when he gives that number with the 12 tribes, you wonder, are Christians gone? And then it's the Jewish remnant that's there, and that's where the rapture view kind of comes in on being raptured before the tribulation, not after the tribulation. But then as we keep reading through Revelation 7, we'll talk about the tribulation saints. Okay, so believers do die during the tribulation. Or at least maybe Jewish believers. And you can see why this gets a little... Confusing because there's a lot of different pieces to the puzzle. It's like my daughter Gracie, she likes to uh, do puzzles. And she'll open that thousand-piece puzzle, and I'm like, I don't even want, I don't want to touch a piece. And let, let me see the box. Let me see what is this. And that's what you start to do. And so that's why with end times theology, they call it eschatology. Even my study Bible, and I know I've said this before, but I think it's important for those of you, maybe you didn't hear me. Even in my study Bible, there are six, six different end times views going back to Augustine uh, in, the, in the fourth century or so. And different views of Revelation. They, have a, they, they just look at it a little bit differently. And so that's why uh, predominantly now, though, you'll hear on the radio, Calvary chapels, and many people are called dispensational, premillennial, pre-tribulation dispensationalism, meaning that the church and Israel have separate plans, and uh, we will be here, bef- we will be out of here before the tribulation comes. And so that's the current view um, of many people, and then there's people that challenge that view. And so what I've been teaching, what I will continue to do is I'm in the I'll find out phase. Like there's, there's some good points on all of that. And I can see how the church and Israel have separate plans. And I can see why we would be out of here before the tribulation, but there's no verse that tells us we will other than putting together these different things. And then there's a good, good, a very good argument to be made that we will go through the tribulation. And just for me, for 23 years, every time I read the verses, I, I see Jesus coming at one time, one cataclysmic time. I, I don't, I, it's hard for me to put together where we're up, he's there, and then later on, he'll come again. I just see it as one event, but doesn't mean I'm right. Just sees, it's just how I read scripture and how a lot of other people read scripture. And then many people would disagree with that and say, no, here's why. And so as we're going through Revelation, my goal is to show you the different views and why people believe what they believe. And I think it actually helps to prepare us even more. Because especially for my kids, I want them to see different views. Because if they're challenged with something later and go, well, that's, that's a good point. I, 
have we been wrong this whole time about, about the end times? No, no, no. Here's how they come to that view. Here's why they, they, um, they, they, they hold to that. Um, and, and it's the same reason I brought my daughter to Dr. Rainbow's class at AV College. You know who that is? You know, the professor. He, he's actually a friend of mine. He, he, he said he'll be coming this summer, so hopefully we'll see. But I brought her to the class to explain why we don't believe in evolution. And we're leaving, Daddy, how can we come from monkeys? We can't. Here's why. And so you, so you give them the ammunition before the battle. That's, that's what's happening a lot of times in the universities. Do a study on this and look into it. The reason so many young adults fall away is they're not prepared. You know, let them watch Ray Comfort videos for a couple weeks. And then they'll, they'll be prepared because what happens like, oh, I didn't know that. Oh, I feel stupid. Oh, you might be right. And they kind of get bullied spiritually. But if you, if you arm them up with the Word of God and say, here's why people believe it. Here's what they think. Here's, here's what you need to say. Here's what the Bible says. The other reason a lot of young adults fall away is because they don't want the Christ they see in many of us. Remember Josh McDowell? I don't know if you followed him. I, I, I used to say this a lot when we first started the church. But he interviewed thousands of young adults. Thousands of young adults. And the question was, why don't you follow Christ? And they said, we don't want the Christ we see in our parents. Now that should be a huge wake-up call. Now, it doesn't mean your kids won't, won't see your imperfection. They will. But you apologize, you repent, you remain broken and humble and teachable, and they see you walking through life and how you trust in Jesus, how you fall forward, how you humble yourself. And then they, they, they gravitate towards that because it's real and genuine. Everybody hates a hypocrite. Saying one thing and doing another. So, all that is just extra. It's not in my notes. I won't remember any of that for the second service, so this is for the first service. Back on track, warning, the abomination of desolation. An abomination is something that is revolting and disgusting. So, because it's revolting and disgusting, and it's really revolting and disgusting according to God's Word, it causes desolation. Have you ever given in to something that is an abomination, an addiction, or, or something that, that the path of that is desolation? It will decimate your marriage. It will decimate your walk with the Lord. And so anything that's an abomination will eventually desolate, make, make barren, make uh, of no use anymore. And so that's what abomination is. It's revolting. It's disgusting. And it, it can cause a lot of hatred and pain. And then desolation. Let me move this away a little bit. Desolation is a great void of emptiness because of destruction. It's a great void of emptiness because of destruction. And now, when we hear the word abomination in the Bible... If you look it up, and I did, I looked up all the references, didn't turn to each one necessarily, but the overwhelming uh, correlation is always with idolatry. Always with idolatry. Now, there are some verses where it says, if a man lies with a man, it is an abomination. So yes, we can say homosexuality, things like that are an abomination. Times change, truth does not. All the moral laws initiated, moral laws, not dietary, not dietary, not ceremonial laws, but the moral laws of the Old Testament still ring true today. No, we don't punish somebody and stone them to death who commits adultery, but it's not right. 
And so many people, use, well, that was back then. You also couldn't eat lobster. Did you know the, the Old Testament says that? Don't eat lobster. Don't eat sh- actually shellfish. And it, it, it's funny because with my background in nutrition, I like to uh, you know, delve into a lot of this topic because I believe the physical and the spiritual run parallel. You, when you're taking care of this, you're going to feel a lot better spiritually and physically, emotionally, mentally. But uh, shellfish actually live at the bottom and they're kind of, they eat, they're kind of clean up the waste. And so they're not really healthy for you as far as the shrimp and the lobster. I know that, that nobody wants to hear that, but God knew what he was doing. Don't eat pigs. Hello? You want to get into the worms and stuff or no? Okay. So the unclean, unclean things. Have anybody eaten a raven lately? Why not? So you see, these aren't just weird dietary laws. They are laws for children, the children of God to be set apart, clean, clean food. And so an abomination is, yes, certain kind of foods, but an abomination is also sexual sin. You can use the same without one being, uh, the, the dietary laws are no longer for us today, but you might want to follow them to live a little healthier life because God knows what he's doing. And so that's what an abomination is. Now, just saying that, uh, I might go in YouTube jail. It's okay, but that's just the truth. Listen, if we don't have the Bible, we have nothing. All Watch all these woke pastors resigning this. Like, I don't know if Paul meant this. I'm not going to say this. They're all having nervous breakdowns. They're all quitting the ministry. They're all, they don't, they don't, they, because they don't have the authority of God's word. That's what we stand on. Without that, I have, we have nothing. So that's why you can, that's why you can boldly proclaim the truth. You can take the criticism that comes at you 24-7. You, because you know that you know that you know that God's word is true. These wavering, wishy-washy, woke, they, 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 they're, 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 they're gonna crumble under the pressure of the world because they don't have the stability of the truth in their heart. And that's what I'm doing at Turning Point USA. I'm gonna speak at the, pa- there's a thousand pastors and Christian leaders coming. And wanting to encourage them, but at the same time challenge them that we have to get back to the old path, back to brokenness and humility, back to where when you're when you're a guest speaker, guest worship leader, you don't say, "I want my limousine at 72 degrees and some organic bananas in there and some Avion water." No, you're coming to minister to God and be broken and humble, minister to the people for God. Matthew 24:14 is where we find ourselves. Matthew 14 through 22. And this gospel, what we talked about last week, make sure to go and listen to that. I would, I would try to listen to these because they go in order. And I'm trying to, trying to build up a case here to the, the, the end of days, to the tribulation, to the, the new heavens and new earth. And this gospel, the kingdom will be preached in all the world as a witness to all nations. And then the end will come. And something we do know as we study Scripture, I don't think anybody would disagree with this. We would disagree on the timing. But the end of the age for the Jews is different than the end of the world. So many times we would, we would read the end of the age and like, oh, that must be the end of, the, of all things. No, it's really the, 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 the end of the age 
of the, of the, and people would argue that it's the end of the age for the Jews. And I talked about 70 AD where Titus came in, he conquered Jerusalem, he ransacked it, all the stones were left upon, no stone left upon another. A lot of that was already fulfilled. Their age had come, their sacrificial system, everything they counted on. The Jews had no more way of worshiping God. That temple was destroyed and they're still in that predicament. And that's why many say the building of a, the, another temple, and I'll hopefully get into that as we get farther into Revelation. But that was, and all the world sometimes doesn't mean all the world. It could mean all the land. So when I would say our, our entire land is destroyed, I'm talking about America and, 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 and what is going on. However, could it mean the entire world? Possibly, yeah. Is the gospel going to go out to all nations and then the end will come? Jesus' return? Sure. I Absolutely. I can see that as well. Therefore, okay, so let's put this in context. Context is so important when you're dealing with the Bible. Especially end times. Especially end times. So the gospel of the kingdom is going to go out to all the world. Then the end it will come. And so he's preparing us, yes, but also who is he preparing? The people he's talking to. For, for the life of me, I can't separate this. I can't say, well, no, no, this isn't, isn't for them at all. I, I mean, if you look at just the language, you look at the sentence structure, you look at how Jesus used the law first mentioned, how he used talking to these, the, this group of disciples in the past, and it just looks like he's speaking to them primarily first and foremost. Therefore, when you see he's talking to his disciples, when you see the abomination of desolation spoken by the Dan Daniel the prophet standing in the holy place, whoever reads this, let him understand. So this is a, a, a this is an Jesus said, watch out for he's giving them a sign. Watch out for the abomination of desolation. So when, basically, the Eidelman paraphrase is when you see something that is revolting and disgusting and it is mocking God while creating great pain and emptiness, take note. And no matter what side you're on with the debate, many connect the first reference of this with Antichus. Antichus, what did he do? Well, he reigned from 17, I think I have it up there, 175 to 64 B.C., and he suppressed a Jewish rebellion. I think MacArthur even notes this in his study Bible. And he set up an altar for Zeus in the temple. And he sacrificed a pig. That is an abomination of desolation for sure. So, as I said last week, remember dual fulfillment. You will see things in Scripture that happened then, and it could also be for us now. We, we gave many examples of that. And, and the Word of God is alive and it, it speaks to people at that point in history and it will speak to us as well. Some things are not for them. Some things are for us later. But also some things that we're saying are for us are not for us. They were for them. And so it's hard to find that distinction. But again, you, you look at the historical background. You look at the Old Testament as well and you begin to put the pieces together. Dan Dornani said this, commenting on AD 70. He said this. Remember I talked last week? Now, what I'm, uh, let, me, let me be clear here. I'm not, people are going to say, oh, Shane's a partial preterist. He's mentioning AD 70. I, I don't think there's much significance for us today other than that it's very interesting what happened at that time period. Think about it. The sacrificial system was 
decimated, gone. All the the buildings, the temple, not one stone was left upon another. Like Jesus said, he wept over the city of Jerusalem because he he saw what was happening. This is a pretty big deal. And it was a big deal to them. And I, I, it, it, I just, to me, it's a big deal to us today as well. So think about this. AD 70, in case you weren't here, Titus comes in, the Roman general, and decimates Jerusalem. You can read about in Josephus' writings, the blood that flowed down the streets. I think, I think, don't quote me, Josephus even says that the blood rose to the bridle of horses. Huh, I read that somewhere else in Revelation. So you can see that, if anything, that's interesting. Boy, he got it close. You know, if anything, it, it, it makes us think a little bit. And so Israel is in shambles. And he said this, he said, the Roman armies were always an abomination because they carried with them idolatrous images of the emperor whom they worshiped. And those armies brought this desolation because their commander leveled the city and entered the Holy of Holies. The, the priests couldn't even enter the holies of holies unless they were prepared and ready. But Titus and, and, and this Roman army came in and went into the temple and decimated it. It made it desolate and brought down everything that Jesus said. And as I talked about last week, Jesus said the blood of the prophets is going to be required on this generation, talking to his contemporaries. And so we see just in a massive, massive upheaval here. And then he goes on to say, Jesus said, remember, therefore, when you see the abomination of desolation spoken by the prophet Daniel standing in the holy place, read or understand. Now, many will say, and I'm, again, I'm not against it. I'm, I'm a pan trip. I'm going to see how it all pans out. But many will say that there will be an abomination coming up, that the Antichrist even though the, the book of Revelation doesn't word, use the word antichrist, it's a beast, uh, a false prophet, things like that. They say that that person is going to put up an abomination in the temple of God. He'll have a peace treaty for three and a half years. And uh, then that abomination of desolation is going to happen in, in, in the future. And that's, that's possible. I just don't say that's exactly how it's going to happen. I would say, hey, here's what I'm thinking. Here's how it lays out. This is an interesting possibility. I, I just kind of, I, I get a little uneasy when people say, oh, no, no, this is exactly how it's going to, how do you know that? Great theologians, great theologians are divided on the word of God. I, you know, I might just show you this now. Cindy, can you find that slide where it's just, um, it, it actually moves? Uh, it actually moves and it shows a, it's probably five or six slides in. It shows a commentary on, um, Luke knows because I think he put it in there. It shows a commentary on one verse. Okay, let's pu- let's push play. One verse, Daniel nine twenty seven. Here's the different views, folks. One verse. There you go. And people get mad at me because I don't take their side. That's, a, that's one verse. Daniel 9.27. Benson says this. The pulpit commentary says this. Matthew Henry says this. John Wesley says this. Spurgeon says this. I think we need to humble ourselves and get off of our eschatology, eschatology high horse, if that makes sense, because it causes a lot of division. 
All my Calvary Chapel friends are going to be mad at me. I know that. So here's the thing. Jesus said, when you see the abomination of desolation, what are you supposed to do? Flee, right? Well, look what he says. Let those who are in Judea. How does that apply to us? That has no application to us whatsoever because actually those in Judea should have fled when Titus was conquering Jerusalem. It makes absolute perfect sense. And then also he goes on to say, flee to the mountains. And if you're on the housetop, don't go down. Don't take anything. In other words, get out of Jerusalem. Get out of the area of Jerusalem because destruction is coming. Don't go back to your house. Don't go to your field. Flee to the mountains. And if you're pregnant and you're nursing babies in those days, it's going to be very challenging. And pray that your journey fleeing will not be in the winter or on the Sabbath. Again, Sabbath, no relevance to us today. Now, am I saying this can't have relevance in the future? No, of course not. It could. It may. Absolutely. Some of you say, well, we'll be out of here when it does. Others say, well, no, we're going to go through it. So we just know for us then, if you're still around, watch out if there is an abomination of desolation. And I think we will see as we get closer in the future as um, as these things are coming out about you know one world currency and, uh, and, 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 and with this one world leader, how he will deceive and how he, they might, uh, the Jews might resurrect that temple and begin to have sacrifices again. And, and he possibly could bring in, uh, this, this, uh, this abomination after he signs his covenant with them and then changes his mind on that. That is one interpretation for sure. And also, if this is Jesus' return, why would believers flee His return? It doesn't, to me, it never really made a lot of sense. If this is His return, He's coming, why are we fleeing? Matthew 24, 15-22. Continuing. For then there will be great tribulation such as not been seen since the beginning of the world until this time. Okay, now I have to hop over to the side of my... Calvary Chapel futuristic friends, right? That's a good point. I don't know if this has to do with with Jerusalem and Titus. He's saying here, there'll be great tribulation such as not been seen since the whole world, nor until this time, nor ever shall be. Hitler, what about Hitler? What about a lot of different things? And unless those days were shortened, no flesh would be saved. But for the elect's sake, those days will be shortened. Talked about how it could be future. Now, let's go over here and let's see how, how could this have been fulfilled in AD 70? Well, a couple different things. For there will be great tribulation such as not been seen since the beginning of the world. And that is actually true for that area. No destruction has ever been on that, that one area. A million Jews are right there. Well, Shane, you mentioned Hitler. Yeah, but if you go the scope of Poland, you look at all of Germany, that is a huge area compared to this one area of Jerusalem. And if no, and, and to me, when I read, when he talks about for the elect's sake, there is election where it has to do with salvation. But then there, the, the elect's sake, as Harry Ironside would say, all the mentions of the elect have to do with Israel. And many would agree, the elect, the elect of God, the elect of God are, are Israel, the children of God. Now, election... Do we become the elect of God grafted into the branch? I mean, I could go for a rabbit trail for a while. And I don't know if you want to be here till 2 o'clock. So let's bring this back here. 
For there will be great tribulation, such as not been since the beginning of the world. So the elect were God's people, and if that time of judgment with Titus was not shortened, he would have wiped out all the Jews, is what they would say. Jonathan Men, he said this about this applying to AD 70. There have been greater numbers of deaths, yes, like under Hitler, but never so high a percentage of a great city's population at one time, so thoroughly and painfully exterminated and enslaved as during the fall of Jerusalem. So I can see how this verse definitely applies to AD 70 with those parameters I just gave you. And I could see how this might be something we have to deal with in the future and be prepared for. The loss of the temple was very significant. Judaism came to an end. That's a big deal. That's a very big deal. So the end of the age for the Jews was, and I totally agree with, was A.D. 70. The age for the Judaism sacrificial system, the end of their age was A.D. 70. And the end of the times of the Gentiles could be for us in the future. And that's what's happening here. Again, dual fulfillment. Obviously, we're not at the end of the age. Obviously, And actually, if you go on reading Matthew 24, it says, as lightning comes from the east to the west, so will the coming of the Son of Man be. I don't know how that happened in 8070. I've read, again, you can see the... And it's like, ah, I don't know about that. Look, that could be, you know, what we will see or experience in the future. Or if you're raptured, what, and, and, and others will see. It, that, that could definitely be uh, something coming up in the future because that, I don't know how you put that has already happened because it's going to be like lightning comes. It'll be clear. The whole world will know. And so we see all these things unfolding before our own eyes. Matthew 24, 35. I'm kind of fast forwarding here because I won't get to this this week. Jesus said, Assuredly, I say to you that this generation, this generation will by no means pass away till all these things take place. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will by no means pass away. So, we can get controversial again on what is this generation. I spent some time in the Hebrew, actually in the Greek, for this generation. And guess what? Well, it could mean this. <laughs> It could mean this. Oh my goodness. It could mean this generation is the generation of Jews living then. They would not pass away before the end of their age. And so I believe that is true. Or it has to do with the Jewish race in general. And that's what many contemporaries would say, like Chuck Smith used to teach on this often. I listened to his whole tape series, about 500 tapes. Morgan, remember, she would bring them to me. I was out in a, uh, I had a backhoe. You know what those are? Enclosed cab, radio, air conditioning. I would just dig and dig and dig and dig miles and miles and miles. And I just listen, listen, listen for three years, 3,000 hours. And just listen to all these tapes. And Morgan, I'm done. Go get another set. Go get another set. Go get another set. And, uh, love his teaching. I'm not, but that, that, this is what they would say that this has to do with this, this generation has to do with the Jewish race which it would, of course, be in the future still. I tell you that the Jewish race, he says, will by no means pass away till all these things take place. For me, contextually, I don't see that. 
I see this as the generation of people he's speaking to, his contemporaries. And as D.A. Carson said, if this means a future generation, then it's the only time in all the recorded Gospels where Jesus does an audience shift away from his contemporaries 2,000 years in the future. But again, it's, it's nothing to argue over. I told you I'm just a simple, simple country preacher and I've been avoiding Revelation for 23 years. The whole earth often meant the, the whole earth often meant the whole land. Like saying our whole land is corrupted. So when he says the whole earth, it could mean that, that, and there's, there's actually verses that could, could, would show you the whole earth actually, actually meant the whole earth. When, when God flooded the whole earth, it wasn't localized. But there are other verses when the census went out, for example, to the whole earth. Well, no, it's just the land under Roman occupation. So again, you have to look at the context. What is the writer trying to say? And ask God for wisdom and, and, and direction as well. So Daniel 9.24. Here's where this abomination of desolation comes from. Daniel 9.24. 70 weeks are determined for your people. So, Daniel writing, oh, don't quote me on this, probably 500 years or so. Donna, give me a thumbs up or thumbs down. Okay. 500 years or so before Jesus. I know Daniel's in captivity. I know Isaiah, Jeremiah, 700, 600, 550 B.C. So he's probably around there 500 years before Jesus. Daniel's saying, 70 weeks are determined for your people and for your holy city to finish the transgressions, to make an end of sin, and to make reconciliation for iniquity. To me, that sounds like what was accomplished on the cross. To bring in everlasting righteousness, to seal up the vision and prophecy, and to anoint the most holy. Basically, God was saying, I will atone for sin. And many people view the 70 weeks as flowing together based on the context. Others say that the final week, the final seven years, is in the future. Now, I could spend a whole hour sermon just on seven weeks, the 70 weeks of Daniel, and how they break it down, and uh, maybe, maybe in the future. Um, you Bible students, you probably know it well. You know that you know it's 490 years, so Nehemiah, the call went out from Cyrus, and Nehemiah rebuilt, and okay, you got it down. Other people are going to get really confused if I start going into the, is it, is it the Gregorian calendar we use in here, or the Roman calendar? Uh, you know, and so it, it, it's, there were 70 weeks, and it's not what we think of weeks. It was actually seven, seven 490 or so years. And so Daniel breaks it up. You know, the 67 weeks are fulfilled here. And supposedly there's one more week, one more week that is supposed to be fulfilled in the future. That's going to be the seven-year tribulation. that I'll get to later. Others say, however, if you just read in context, the 70 weeks flows in, and it all, it all happened back at this time in history. And I will read that when, when it happened. Daniel 9.25 says, Know therefore and understand from the going forth of the command to restore and build, rebuild Jerusalem. Isn't that interesting? One of the kings, Cyrus, he, he put out a decree to go and rebuild Jerusalem. Rebuild the temple, rebuild the wall around it. And that's why when you read Ezra and Nehemiah, they are rebuilding the city based on this prophecy in Daniel. Isn't that interesting? That is so cool. So they will go and rebuild Jerusalem until Messiah the Prince. 
there will be seven weeks and 62 weeks, which is 69 weeks. The streets shall be built again and the wall even in troublous times. Was it easy to rebuild? Read Nehemiah. He said, on one hand, I had a trial to cement the wall. What did I have in the other hand? A sword. And I posted watchmen. Those sneaky guys, Samballat and Tobiah, wanted my destruction. And they wanted to stop the work of God. So this is clearly talking about when Nehemiah and Ezra, and if you, that's why if you study and you know history, it's, it makes the, the Bible come alive. Like this is what Daniel talked about. It's actually happening. Evidence for Christianity said this. It just so happens that almost exactly 490 years after this decree went out, the 70 weeks in Daniel, that Jesus came into Jerusalem. He was killed to atone for wickedness and to bring in everlasting righteousness and to seal up the vision and prophecy and to anoint the Messiah. The most likely date of the execution and resurrection of Jesus is around AD 30. And that's why they come up with this number. They do the, they do the math. Again, I think it's a Gregorian calendar had 360 days in it. Then you have the Roman, I mean, it's just, I, I'm pretty sure they're off a little bit, right? Because unless you're, unless you're keeping, unless God inspired His Word, of course, and these days are right on the money, but it doesn't give us an exact day. It just gives us the weeks to break down from the command to restore. And I believe even in Ezra, no, maybe Daniel, Ezra or Daniel, there was three commands to rebuild. Okay, so which one are you going off of here? And then that gets, that gets but that's more for a, a systematic teaching through Daniel that more than we can handle here. Daniel 9.26, And after the 62 weeks, Messiah shall be cut off, but not for himself, and the people of the prince who is to come shall destroy the city and the sanctuary, and the end of it shall be with the flood till the end of the war. Desolations are determined. Whew. Wow. The theologian unpacked that. But here's where we get controversial again. One group says this happened in AD 70. Another group says this is, some of this is still coming in the future. One view says the people of the prince were the Jews. Josephus, in his book, The War of the Jews, wrote this. There's adequate historical proof that the destruction of Jerusalem was entirely the fault of the Jewish people, just as Daniel 9.26 predicts. So the people of the prince who is to come would be, in this view, the Jews. The prince who is to come, Jesus. The people, the Jews, destroyed the city. They brought it upon themselves. Another view, which would be the most common view among a lot of the Bible teachers we listen to, is the prince to whom these armies or people belong was not Titus, the Roman general, but a prince who is to arise from a revived Roman Empire conceivably 2,000 years later from this date. Daniel 9.27 continues, Then he shall confirm a covenant with many for one week. So, <clears throat> Bible students, if you're dispensationalism, premillennial, uh, and, and, and pre-tribulation, you would say that this has to do with the Antichrist coming in the future to confirm a covenant with Israel. 
And in the middle of that week, in the middle of that seven-year period, he shall bring an end to, to sacrifice and offering. So you see that? He will confirm a covenant with many for one week, but in the middle of the week, he shall bring an end to sacrifice and offering. So it's always been a struggle for me for 23 years is how that second he becomes an antichrist. I, I, I mean, it doesn't say that. It, the context doesn't, doesn't support that. However, is that possible? I guess so. But usually, you know, usually it would flow. It would make a lot of sense. And so he goes on to say, let me read that. Then he shall confirm a covenant with many for one week, but in the middle of the week, in the middle of the seven years, he shall bring an end to sacrifice and offering. This Antichrist. However, didn't Jesus bring an end to sacrifice and offering? Absolutely. So the beginning of this is about Jesus, right? After 62 weeks, the Messiah will be cut off, but not for himself. And the people of the prince who is to come, Titus, shall destroy the city and the sanctuary. And the end of it will be with the flood till the end of the war of desolations are determined. And then he shall confirm a covenant with many for one week. And in the middle of the week, he shall bring an end to sacrifice and offering. Now, how did Jesus confirm a covenant and then in the middle of the week break that covenant? That's what I don't know. That's what I'm not sure of. However, he did bring an end to sacrifice and offering. And we'll get a little more confusing if you want to. And on the wing of abominations, in other words, when the Bible says on the wing of something, it means it goes together. It, it, it's on the wing. It's, it's going with, like you picture you, on the wings of an eagle. And you're, it's, it's, so what's coming with the abomination, whatever's coming with that abomination, it's going to make something desolate. And that's what happened with Jerusalem in 70 AD. Or if it's for us in the future, it's going to make something desolate. Even until the consummation means when it comes together, which has already been determined, and it's going to be poured out on that which is desolate. And you already saw the commentaries on that. And it just keeps going. Well, Shane, what are we supposed to do with this? Well, just be ready. Be prepared. Be ready. So is this final week that he's talking about, is it past or is it in the future? Well, number one, the death of the Messiah and the destruction of Jerusalem are the two principal events portrayed in this passage. Or others would say, people that go to this church would say, no, verse 27 and all of this stuff is in the future. That covenant and things like that are in the future. So my thought is, well, let's wait and see. Let, let's wait and see. Oh no, but we won't be we won't be here because of the rapture. Well, then even better. It doesn't matter. So people who can listen to this on YouTube later or Venmo or wherever, they can hear this teaching in 10 years or 12 years. Oh yeah, he talked about this. He talked about this. So if it were me, we're raptured, okay. And I don't want to say it doesn't matter because God's word matters, right? But you know what I'm saying? It did, it's it, the, the, the application. It's like, okay, good luck to the future. <laughs> we're gone. But what about if we're here and we see this one world leader rise up, which they will at some point. And you remember when I talked about um, these major corporations 
like heads of, of they call, they're called head fu- hedge funds, and they actually oversee, like they're over Nike, they're over Budweiser, they're these major, major corporations. And what they do is they are causing a lot of these corporations to go woke. So that's why, how to, why would Budweiser do that? Like you're, talk about missing your audience. Dylan Mahoney on, for cowboys and construction workers, and you're gonna, it's, it's, why? Because these people, the, the puppet masters, they have trillions of dollars in assets. More, these companies have more in money or assets under their control than all of the countries in the world except China and America. They control that much money. And these corporations have to go woke or they'll eventually go broke because of this over them. And they're coming out with that credit score to where this corporation, that's why they're this push that is so stupid to get rid of gas stoves and this, and the, the environmental push. See, I think Christians should be the best stewards of the environment. We go camping, we want to take out anything more than what we brought. We want to care for God's creation. We are the best stewards of His creation. But let's not get stupid. And that's what this is. It's, it's worship, it's worship of Mother Earth. And they're doing things that are, that are just absolutely, and, and I thought of this before. I'm glad people have been talking about like all these electric cars. Okay, our power grid is already taxed. How are you going to add millions of cars to the current power grid? Hello? See, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. And so you see all this is moving to one. Now, what's, what's the big thing now? Centralized digital currency. And you can't buy or sell without it. And then you're going to have a credit score. Mine's going to be real low. Because they don't like, they don't like what I'm saying. And you see, that's why we're preparing. Everybody's so easily offended. Like, I remember when I was a kid, I can't, why are they, it's so, like, you said something, hurt my feelings. It's like, wow. Compare that to those teenagers storming the beach in Normandy. Now you're upset if the wrong person gets elected. And you cry. And there's a pity party, and you, and you don't know what you're going to do. And we, 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 it's, we're so soft. I don't know if you just saw in the news, um, Russia and China together bringing a lot of their, their navy down over, uh, over by Alaska Saturday. That's pretty interesting. Both of them coming together, look on Fox News. Look on other news sites. And then we had a response, bring some of our carriers up there to respond to that. And we're, we're in some very interesting times. We've got somebody in the office of leadership who has no clue what he is doing and the puppet masters are really controlling what's going on. And for those who say I shouldn't talk about this, I think we should absolutely talk about this because the Bible says. No, no area is off limits for God's Word. No area is off limits. You prepare the people, you teach, and you, sh- you share what, what's going on. And so my point is you can see all of this coming together to where there could be that one world system. I don't know where it's at. Is it Davos or somewhere where they already have that temple where all three religions are recognized? Jewish, Muslim, Christian, I believe. I don't know who put it together. The, Pope, the different popes have talked about this. It's so anti-Christ. That's what the word means. Against Christ. It's so anti-Christ. All the world religions can't come together because 
They're all, how can Christianity come together with other religions? Because they, they, they challenge every single one of our essentials. Every single one of them. And so we might see this day where this, this leader comes and, and it begins to be worshipped and it, we could have dual fulfillment happening again. And could, could the Jews resurrect the, the, another temple and begin their sacrificial system again? You read Ezekiel and, and there's, there's a lot of interesting passages there. So I'm going I'm to just briefly break down the two views. GotQuestions.org says a future ruler will make a treaty with the people of Israel. Because we'll be out of here. And uh, some people say the, if we are raptured up, we're gone. Millions of people gone. They're going to blame it on aliens. And that's a whole other topic. Isn't that getting interesting? That's getting really interesting. I've got thoughts, but let me just hold those thoughts. Let me just hold those thoughts. Come. Well, I'll give you a little, again, my thoughts are the Bible's not, I mean, does God have created things else? I don't know. I don't think, you know, I don't think so. You can't make an argument for silence. You got to be careful when the Bible's silent because you can't make it say things it doesn't say. But isn't it interesting? Could this be demonic type of things? Hmm. That aren't subject to time space continuum and just could it be demonic? Interesting. And I will talk on that as, as we get further. And there's different, uh, there's, I mean, there's whistleblowers that are coming out. I don't know if you ever watched your, I think his last name is Greer. And he's way into this stuff. It's like, whoa, just, are, are you kidding me? And, and of course, you, you, you have to look at it through the lens of Scripture. Many people, I, somebody just told me recently, I think it's Ezekiel, the opening chapter, correct me if I'm wrong, where they see the will inside a will. And it's doing all, but that is a reflection of God. So I can't put that onto an alien because that's, that's how he's seeing the glory of God and the throne of God. And so we've got to be careful not to use things out of context. And I, I just think if there is, I mean, they're just the, 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 from area 51 and what whistleblowers are saying, it, it could be where the demonic realm is, is being more active. I mean, that's possible. Because remember, is there, remember how you can entertain angels and you won't even know it? Didn't an angel talk to Abram? An angel talked to Mary? Jesus, as his resurrection, was a normal whole body and then he ascended to the Father? Hmm. Some interesting things here. While I'm on that, we could get on to the Nephilim and things like that. Nope, nope, nope. It's funny though, in Torrance, they gave me the scripture that I'm speaking. I'm like, oh my goodness. Genesis 6, I think, where the sons of man went into, the sons of, of, sons of God went into the daughters of men and created this giant, oh, it's like, oh Lord, is it the line of Seth? Is it the Nephilim? Is it the angels come down and, and, but the angels don't marry? Okay, doesn't mean they can't procreate. Doesn't mean they don't have human, so it's like, enough for one week, enough for one week. There are different views on that. And uh, I, I think that could be possible because what are, it's not just, because giants of, see you guys got me on rabbit trails again. We're never getting out of here. <laughs> giants in those days, again, the word, especially if you look at the Hebrew word, could be like Billy Graham was a giant of a man, right? You just, but you also have where the children of Israel said we are like grasshoppers in their sight. King Og, his bed was like, what, 16 feet long? 
the the Am, the Amalek uh, Goliath easily nine to ten feet, and so you can see how that it could have been from the Nephilim, it could have been the sons of the angels, and, and now we have this weird being, and some of the DNA was passed down, you know, through Noah and and or at least his sons, and and so it, it, it it's very interesting, man. If you're if you're twenty foot, eighteen foot tall, you're big giants. Can wow, they, that explains the pyramids. They're, Man, Shane put his foil hat on today, didn't he? <laughs> it's all just interesting because it does look like there was a large race of people. I mean, just reading Scripture, Goliath, I mean, it's just clear he was measured nine-some feet tall. His spear was like a, like a, temp, like a, a tree. And, so, and what's interesting is... Um, if you look at, when I used to study really a lot in depth more on the cell, did you know the body was created to keep, to keep living forever? They can keep little like heart, heart cells from a chicken in a petri dish alive for years and years and years as long as they clean the toxins. And it keeps reproducing, boom, keeps reproducing. They get rid of the toxins, it keeps reproducing. So we were created, hello, this is biblical, where our cells were to keep regenerating, regenerating, regenerating. And we would eat from the Garden of Eden, life-giving, life-giving, whole God-given food. The carrots, the apples, the enzymes would give life to the body. The cells would then replicate. And then God says, so these people are five, six, seven hundred, eight hundred years old. Could they be taller? Have you ever seen an anaconda keep growing or a crocodile? I mean, those things can keep a turtles, tortoise. I mean, so you can see how things could, could keep growing. It's just interesting to talk about. I won't say, oh, this is for sure. But I do think, I mean, based on, I don't think when the Israelites said, they are, we are grasshoppers in their sight. I don't think that was just simile. I think, that, <laughs> I think there was a big, in Amalek, it was clear that these were giant, of pe- these are giant people, huge people. And of course, to me, it makes a lot of sense. And God said, I will not, I'm going to wipe out the earth. 120 years will be your, your max there. And somebody say 120 years until judgment. Okay. Or 120 years of our age, which seems to be that's about what God did. And he cut down, um, our age. So anyway, that was a long, where did I leave off, you guys? <laughs> All right. Godquestions.org. I'm going to have to get you out of here. A future ruler will make a treaty with the people of Israel. So we'll see, this is one view. The terms of this treaty will be for one week, which we take to be a period of seven years. Midway through this time, the ruler will gather his troops and put an end to the sacrifice and offering in the temple that the Jews are going to rebuild. And at that time, the ruler will just desecrate the temple, setting up some type of sacrilegious object. And then the desecration of the temple will continue until the judgment of God is final. Uh, 1,290 days, which is three and a half years and one month later. Or, what I just explained to you, and I'm not going to repeat it, is many, another group would say that this has already been fulfilled. This from Daniel has already been fulfilled and what happened with Titus in the temple. And it, in my opinion, it all of this definitely was fulfilled with Titus. It's, it's crystal clear. Now, could it be applied to us today? Possibly. That's what we're waiting to find out. The pulpit commentary, which is really good, said this. 
Remember Daniel 9.27 when he said, He shall confirm a covenant with many for one week? Many say this is in the future still, but the pulpit commentary says, what is this covenant? It is the new messianic covenant promised in Jeremiah 31.31. And if I recall, that has to do with God will put a, write a new covenant and give you a new heart. The author of the epistles of Hebrews quotes this passage as messianic and is providing that the sacrifice and offering had ceased with Christ's sacrifice of himself. So that's pretty interesting, is it not? Daniel 9.27, he shall confirm a covenant. Many say it's done with, it's already over. And then others say it is still coming. I have to do this again. I just realized. Should I tell the 11 a.m. just to listen to the, the, the YouTube? So let me close. Again, when you see something that is revolting and disgusting and mocking God, great pain and emptiness will follow. And so it does beg the question for practical application, is there an abomination in your life causing great pain and emptiness? Is there something that's an abomination to God that is, that is, that, that, that is unpleasing to Him? It's, and it's, it's gonna bring pain, folks. It's gonna bring pain and desolation and it's gonna wipe out a marriage. It's gonna wipe out a career. It's gonna wipe out a ministry if this abomination is not repented of and dealt with. And although we're going through a lot of warnings, in Revelation, I also want to encourage you as you leave here this morning, remember that if God be for you, who can be against you? I'm, you know what? It, it's what kind of concerns me a lot on social media and as I, there's a lot of scared Christians. Like I'm talking scared. Like number one, they're not prepared. They don't know they're Jesus. That makes a lot of sense. Or number two, they're quenching and grieving the Spirit. And that's what happens. If you live your life for yourself, you're a Christian. You're living your life for yourself. You're quenching and grieving the Spirit. All those things that you're feeding on the world are going to come in and attack your mind and attack your heart. And that's why you're fearful. And you have to remember, if God before you, who can come against you? And when the enemy comes in like he is, the Spirit of God within you is going to raise up a standard to fight him. And I'm not going to use this out of context because it can be applied to us today. No weapon formed against you will prosper. You might get stabbed, you might get hit, you might get shot, but you'll get back up and fight again because God is on your side. He has the final say. And we have to remind ourselves, don't we? The devil's been defeated. He will be defeated. This isn't like, oh, I wonder what's going to happen. I'm watching World War II, Hitler, and and will and 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 um and our forces and 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 what's going on. And I, oh gosh, I really hope we win. We already know God sits on the throne. He is already He is high and lifted up. He has already won. So what he says is, Christian, just maintain, just maintain, having done all, stand, stand on the truth, fight for your families, intercede on behalf of the nation, get on your face before God, seek him like never before, get God on your side, and then he before you, who can come against you? The power of scripture. And for some of you, it's a final reminder that we, you may need the light of the world. I just, I always love how you can go into the darkest place and just turn on a flashlight. All that darkness dispels. All you do is turn on the light. Some of you need to turn on the light 
the light of the world, not just a flashlight, the light of the world, his glory shone about. The light, the light of his glory. Repent and believe. Repent and believe and let the darkness that's in your heart be suppressed and let the light of the gospel come in by repenting and believing in Jesus. And so for that reason, we are going to have communion up front in the balcony. You guys have communion as well. What we're going to do, I keep forgetting, so I'm going to remember this time, take both cups. Do that people going, I didn't, I didn't see any little wafer. There's two cups. So during closing worship, the next song, two songs after that, come up at your leisure. And what you are doing is you're remembering the body of Jesus that hung on the cross for your sins and the blood that was shed for the remission of those sins. And Paul says to get our hearts right. So if you know you've got some junk in here and some unrepentant sin, unforgiveness, bitterness, addictions, thing, I'm not going to repent of it. I, I, you know, be, don't take communion. Because the whole point is to remember what he set you free of, but yet you're going to hold on to what he set you free of? Paul said then you take it in an unworthy manner and you, you bring judgment upon your own heart, behind your own soul. He actually goes on to say something very interesting. If we judged ourselves, we would not be judged. Hmm. Hmm. If we judge ourselves and repent, and repent, we will be cleansed. Amen. 